Hello, sir. Hello. Oh, I'm supposed to say good morning, right? Oh, right. Yes. Um, but it's not morning. It's but not. for it to be authentic. Yeah. And I should probably sound like I just woke up too. Um, but <laughs> alas. <laughs> actually, I, I thought it was pre-recorded, the, the intro actually. <laughs> I know, because it's almost identical every time. Yes. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not Ben. It's not Ben. I am joined today by the one and only Peter Soom. Hey, Peter. Hey, there's actually a Peter Soom in Wisconsin, but yeah. Oh, oh, okay. The Danish one then. Um, <laughs> the Danish one. <laughs> ben is uh, busy this week. And so just last minute decided, hey, why don't we just do a, do a mastermind session live on the air for AOP? Yeah, I think you asked me after I had uh, a glass of wine for dinner, so... Okay. Maybe we'll uh, Good. add some interesting, uh, <laughs> different vibes to the podcast. <laughs> well, I'm still sipping my my probably final cup of coffee for the day, so we'll uh, we'll see. I'll try Sweet. to keep the the caffeinated energy up going for us. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So I figured we would just kind of do a normal update show. I mean, probably a lot of people are familiar with you. You're uh, present on Twitter and in the community, but you in the last couple of years have been working on branch and then you recently have been building reform so yeah we took that last bit of runway and uh, <laughs> changed up things a bit <laughs> yeah you're in an exciting time right now you're kind of inviting early access users and on the cusp of publicly launching right yeah we actually my uh, co-founder of yarn and i we realized yesterday that we're on and off on vacation in July. So if you want to launch, it had to be either next week or in August. And August just sounds like so far in the future. But I think it, it actually will have to wait a bit because we're not quite ready. And we still got a lot of invites to send. And it's fine. Like we're, we keep momentum right now just with the invites. So there's not really a big reason to launch right now. Yeah. Time moves really quickly when you're in this phase of like leading up to a launch and those last minute like to do items always end up stacking up. I've I've butted up against this multiple times near the end of the year because it's like usually a bad idea to launch in December, you know, so then like heading into the fall, I'm always like, yeah, I, I'll get launched, you know, well before that time comes. And then before you know it, it's like oh, now it's October. Oh, well, yeah. Thanksgiving's coming up. Oh, no. So <laughs> happy holidays. Yeah. Here's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's stressful. It's like you don't know, you don't know what's up and down yet. But it's cool just following that savvy cow playbook. <laughs> just a, a year behind you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. So, what's what's top of mind for you this week? Um, we just joined a co-working space, which is uh, pretty exciting. It ties into sort of a bigger thing in my mind because it's like. We're spending a lot of time thinking about kind of what kind of company we want to build and what kind of culture and structure and stuff like that. And I know some of that stuff is top of mind for you as well. Yeah, with starting this new business, it's basically a new business, right? We started working on a landing page for it in February and we started working on the product in March. And so it's like three months ago since we started coding and it just sort of all happened really fast. So like we don't have a long like a vision or a mission statement or something like that. We just we just have a tweet basically, that we, and a list of thousand people who want to try the product. So that's 
kind of like the, the way it happened, right? So, but now we're starting to think like, and with COVID kind of getting much better here and you can work f from a different place in your home. It's like, how do we actually want to do this? Like what sort of lifestyle do we want? And we both really want to go into an office sometimes, or at least have the ability to do it. So for now, that's a co-working space. When you're just one or two people, it's nice to be around other startups. And yeah, I mean, the fun thing, like I just, <laughs> I was in, you had to post like a, hey, I'm Peter <laughs> post in the co-working space Slack channel. And I did that and mentioned reform. And just from that Slack message was like two people was interested in trying the product. And it just, there's a lot of reasons for us to be around other entrepreneurs and talk to a lot of founders. And it's just, it's the people we need to talk to anyway. So going to an office removes a lot of friction and it's just nice to be around other people. Yeah. How often do you think you'll go in? Probably two to three times a week. There's a little commute to get there from where I live. But the cool thing is I live right on the water here in Copenhagen and the co-working space is like in downtown Copenhagen, close to the water as well. So there's a little uh, hopper ferry basically um, that you can take. It takes like 15 minutes and it's really nice. Like you could just get to see the city from the water side and going to the office for me is also just an excuse to or a way to like encourage me to go out a bit more and like go out in the city and yeah so i'm really excited about it and only been there one day so far but it's it was cool nice yeah that's cool yeah i've i've been thinking about the same thing i toured the we work right across like basically a four minute walk from my apartment it was pretty cool. It's like 90,000 square feet of space, um, like four floors of this new building. It's a new building that's designed to look like an old warehouse, basically, because it's right. I live in the warehouse district of Minneapolis. And on the bottom floor is like this big, spacious uh, coffee shop that I've been working at. And then across the there's like across the breezeway, there's a restaurant. And then there's oh, there's also like a little place called the galley. That's just like a little food hall thing. So it's a pretty cool little spot. And I spent a lot of time over there already. And so, yeah, the WeWork looks looks cool. I don't know. Like, I was thinking about doing it for myself because I wanted to practice better, like, ergonomics for my for my desk setup. I kind of just work on a laptop all the time. Like, I used to have a bunch of monitors, external monitors, and now I just, like, I move around so much that I don't really have a fixed setup. But surprisingly, like, they don't have, in their community spaces, they don't have any, like, um, adjustable height desks so like if you want to do that, you have to like bring your own <laughs> basically, uh, which is sort of clunky. And then like the dedicated offices are are fine, but like they almost feel like cubicles. But even though they have, like have fancy glass all around them, it just still kind of feels like a cube farm. <laughs> so so I don't know. And it's, it's decently expensive, too. So I probably am going to hold off on pulling the trigger on that for now. But if I do end up, you know, hiring an engineer here locally and we, we want to do like a two to three day kind of meetup cadence then i think it'd probably make more sense then to to look at doing that so where we work from is like we pick the cheapest option and they they don't have fancy desks or anything like that they do have the ability to work in the windows where they have basically standing it's like standing desks because they're kind of tall <laughs> what other people think of as standing desk for me is almost it's like weird high desk because i'm tall <laughs> so I probably won't be using those. Yeah. 
No, they're never tall enough for me. <laughs> yeah, it's like squatting or something. It's an in-between thing. Well, you should you should see a photo. I'll I'll try to dig one up of the first drip office. It was laughably ugly. Ultimately, the people who started this thing like into buying a bunch of real estate in Fresno and like rehabbing old warehouses and and like an old car dealership building from the early 1900s, and that's where our second drip office was. But um, initially, it was just like this this old like depressing office building <laughs> and we had like a 10 by 10 foot office and our chairs would knock up against each other and we had these crappy desks that we bought from a thrift store <laughs> like actually i think they were in the building like they were just like desks that no one was using anymore so yeah we started out very very scrappy <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think that's the way to do what it. you gotta do that's what you gotta do yeah another thing that's been top of mind this week is more of like a, on the product side of things is um, getting feedback from the, the people that sign up from, for the product. And I think it's a, it's the whole like product led growth kind of company. Like it's hard to, it's hard to tease out feedback from people all the time. Whereas like if you're doing sales, like it's pretty like people you're talking to people literally. So you will get some sort of feedback. And one of the issues we've been having is, so people sign up um, and they have some sort of expectation about the product, presumably. And before they sign up, it's hard for us to know if they have a use case right now or not. We, we do ask some, some questions in an onboarding survey, but we also make that optional because we don't want to add too much friction. And then a very high percentage of the people that sign up, they don't really do anything once they get into the app. And so the way I think about it is like, it's either one of two reasons. One is it didn't live up to their expectations. Like they, they looked at it and they're like, this is not something I can use. The other option is this looks great, but I don't need it right now. So like, it's like filed in the next time I need a form, I'll just come back to this. It's great. And now I know this, this would work. And it's really hard to know which one it is and waiting for like months to see if they come back also feels scary so i've just been thinking about ways that they could commit a bit more and uh, one thing we tried is having an annual deal where they get basically half price by paying annually so hypothesis there is like it's people would pay up front just to have it you know so they have the tool when they need it, it hasn't been very popular yet uh, most people actually seem to pick our monthly plan even though it's twice as expensive but obviously you can cancel it if you know you only need it for one month like it is it's cheaper still but yeah so one thing we also changed is we added a trial so it's a little bit the moment where people are forced to pay or do something is when they want to publish a form in our tool so they can sign up and they can build a form and then they can if they want to publish it they need to pay or start a trial so we added the trial flow and it seems like that's improved things a bit. So I think it's just, it's lower friction now. Like you can, it's easier for people to say, I actually do have an intention to try this. I'm not 100% sure, but I like, it looks good and I think I want to use it and I want to see my form live. So like, here's my credit card and you can charge it in seven days if I, if I haven't canceled it. So yeah. 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 It's so hard at this stage because you're operating with small, like small data sets. Right. And like in my early, early access phase for Savvy Cal, there was definitely a good chunk of people who 
I know now have like come in and, and activated and started using the product. But at the time, it's just like people are so busy, you know, like just it's so bottom of the list to like try out a new tool unless you really have like that, that like immediate, immediate need for it. Yeah. I mean, it's the same with if you're having a, like if you have a podcast host or something like that, it's like, I don't just start a podcast because you started a podcast host, right? I, I, I know about you now. So like when I have a podcast, I'll probably pick you because I, I trust you and it looked good, but like there's a low chance that someone need a form right the moment when I decide to send them an invite. So I think the numbers might also change once we just open up signups. So more people will just be like, I need a form right now. I have this, I, I want to try this tool. I sign up and instead of waiting for the invite. Right. What are you most concerned about right now? Are you concerned that you've missed the mark on the features you've built so far? Or I guess, what is the primary thing you're trying to learn from getting this information out of people there's a lot of things i know that we're missing just like obvious things because we're three months old <laughs> our competitors like 10 years old one thing i did is i started sending people uh, an email that links to one of our forms so they can just click a link that pre-populates the form so it makes it really easy for them to give me some sort of indication about why they haven't published a form yet and the results are starting to come in from that and the overwhelming majority of those are i didn't have an immediate use so i think the thesis is is holding up like i think i think that's that's actually the case i think a lot of the people that signed up they had enough context that they knew that they could probably use the tool because in signing up for our product right now like our early access form is a reform our onboarding survey is a reform. The questionnaire we send you in an email is a reform. So you've probably seen and, and maybe like some people signed up because you sent them a reform, right, Derek? Because you used it as well. So they clicked our logo in, in the in the corner of your form. So they've probably seen a handful of, of reforms already at this point and have a pretty good idea about the product. So I'm not super worried that it's because they just hate it when they see it by adding features and catching up to our competitors i think we can probably like incrementally improve the number of people that sign up i don't think it's like there's a big glaring missing thing or it's too ugly when when they when they log in um, so i don't know why i'm worried except I'm just worried because <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like a new thing and it's scary and you don't yeah. really know yet. Yeah. That is one of the nice things about entering a mature, well-established market is you can, it's pretty well understood what the problem space is around forms. And like you, you have kind of a thesis around the ideal kind of use case for reform right now. In case folks are not fully up to speed, reform is effectively a type form competitor, right? So you're sort of going out you're not going after like the people like the static kit audience of people building like custom form endpoints to put it on a static site or something. This is more for like the, it gives you a pre-designed thing that looks kind of like Stripe checkout in, in it's like very native, very native feeling, but like is kind of less crufty and, and a faster experience than, uh, than type forms that kind of sum it up well. Yeah. I think that sums it up pretty well. It's like our approach is like, like typeform is something that 
it's very obvious that you're using type form whereas we we try to make it make it almost invisible i think so use system fonts and very limited design and and that so our thesis is when we allow a little bit of customization like add the savical logo and your yellow color to the button it it feels like savical a savical thing and not necessarily a reform thing that's that's the core product idea right now i think nice well i did just have the opportunity to use reform with my product market fit survey and yeah uh, and i turned it into a template as well <laughs> did you very nice <laughs> yeah no it, it worked yeah, really I mean, well. it sort of already was a template right <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah no it was it was fun because i i mean i was in that camp of like i mean we've obviously been talking a lot about the product through this whole process because we're in a mastermind together when it was kind of first ready to use i like didn't i was in that camp of like not having an immediate use case for it and so i was kind of excited when this came up like uh, wanting to do a product market fit survey and i was like yeah let's let's see what uh let's see what reform can do and it it did the job so tiny quirks but uh we mm-hmm. worked them out mm-hmm. <laughs> i can share some results yeah. from that survey if you're curious yeah the core question was the first one. It's like, how disappointed would you be if you couldn't use SavvyCal um, or if the product went away, something like that. And that's sort of the core indicator on product market fit, according to Sean, Sean Ellis, or I think he's the one that developed this, this kind of framework. We came in at 35% very disappointed, which I think 40% is the kind of technical like line. So very, very close to that. Um, I feel pretty feel pretty good about it. And then like followed up by 57% of people who said they would be somewhat disappointed. So like a vast majority would be disappointed uh, and 35% vary. That's really good. Yeah, I think, I mean, moving, you wouldn't need to move a lot of the somewhat disappointed to very disappointed. So it's probably uh, just a matter of keeping them happy and having them use the product more. And then we asked we asked a bunch of questions like, what type of people do you think would benefit from, from Savvy Cal? What's the main benefit you've received? How can we improve it? And so like heard a lot of things that that we've heard before, but definitely like kind of it was just sort of a manual process to go through and, and pull out like insights that were maybe kind of novel or something we haven't heard before. So that was just kind of a fun like qualitative data mining um, exercise. And it's actually interesting to hear the main benefit piece. I might keep that a little bit close to the vest just from a competitive standpoint. <laughs> but like <laughs> but it was it was non-surprising. Um the, the, yeah, the thing I mean, that, Calendly are catching up to some of your features or trying to. <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> feeling a little inspired, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I was also thrilled. This is this is a stat that kind of blew me away a little bit. We asked, like, have you ever recommended Savvy Cal to somebody? And 89% of respondents said that they've recommended it to somebody so that's insane like that sounds like the real product market fit to me to be honest yeah, yeah more I than know. the other one yep we could do like an nps survey too you know that's kind of more around the likelihood to refer but i suspect based on that percentage i suspect we're, we're doing pretty good on nps <laughs> we uh we have that as well but we haven't paid the NPS people to call it NPS, so we just call it scale. Oh, interesting. <laughs> in our product. <laughs> there are a lot of people calling it NPS, but I'm not sure that they know that they need to pay up to do that. Uh, interesting. Um, 
and it's like not a, super there's like cheap. an official channel to go like go pay someone yeah for the you rights. can go buy a license and they have different licenses because i once thought about doing an nps tool for wordpress so i looked into it back then i i can share some numbers just off the top of my head from when you did the product marketing survey because i think we got like probably close to 10 signups um just from you sharing the form and that made me very excited because that's that's a big part of our growth strategy for reform is people clicking the reform logo when they after they're done with a form hopefully after uh, before that just felt like a really good indicator like we, if we can get a lot of people to use reform and and they can like every month send a fraction of their respondents to use reform as well i think there's a big overlap as well with like the people that resonate with savical and, and resonate with reform yeah it still made me pretty excited to see that to at least to some extent the that little viral part of it is somehow working yeah that would come into about um like about eight percent of people who submitted the the survey I think. yeah so which is i think more than it would normally be because the products are so closely like aligned from like a product vision when they see the our landing page they probably like it's the same style <laughs> same trend i guess design trend a lot of it so but yeah that's not bad at all what are you up to besides the product marketing market fit stuff was a while back right yeah so that was a couple of weeks ago I and mean, i actually just we didn't. Uh, we waited for the results to come in, and then and then it took a little bit of time to to finally um, do some analysis on it. So, yeah. But um, in addition to that, let's see. We I shipped a feature, delegated access that lets that lets you basically grant access to your assistant to manage your SavvyCal account for you. Are you warming up to Tim Ferriss or something like that? <laughs> no. I mean, I, I <laughs> the VIPs. Have, I've recently had some more conversations with people who are like in the very, the very busy and important people camp, <laughs> who who have like said like this. I basically need this, and it's so hokey to just like share share your logins, especially because a lot of people are authenticating directly, like with Google, and like I don't think. I don't know. I think most people aren't just like giving the direct like credentials to their G Suite accounts to their assistant necessarily. So, uh, so this one this one felt good, and it's our first addition to the premium tier. In addition to removing Savical branding, so I'm kind of curious. I'm curious to see how that'll help encourage you know folks to to hop on that that higher tier. But like excited to kind of be thinking about things that could potentially fall into that. I think I've been sort of. Uh, just not not really in the mindset of thinking about that so far and there's probably some features that honestly i could move i could move over to the premium tier because you know they're a little bit more advanced i would grandfather folks in if i did that who are who already have access but that was a that was a nice one to get shipped and then i also this one was tricky but it took so it took like a about a week of kind of background effort i have a bunch of plates spinning in the air right now but this was last week my main um product update was reworking the logic when you add a teammate to a link and basically create a collective scheduling link that represents both of your availability before what we would do is just like 
okay, if I created the link and said I want it, you know, the availability is my work hours, nine to five central time. Um, and then I added you to it. It would basically still represent nine to five central time, but it would subtract your calendar events, the, the times that you're busy from that. But the problem is like, you're on the other side of the world. <laughs> and so, so like you ideally don't want to get a calendar invite for, you know, four in the morning or something, you know, really what you want to happen is your work hours to overlap with mine. And we just show like the intersection of those two. And this was actually quite a bit of work. I had to like rework the guts of the, of the, like the scheduling, the availability engine that takes all the inputs and, and determines it. And I had to write like logic that would take sets, two sets of like availability intervals and actually run a true like intersection on them, like compare each interval and subtract out the parts that don't overlap. And, uh, it was, it was just a bit tricky, but trying to like write tests all along the way. Cause this is like, this is the, the you had one job part of Savvy Cal that can't break, <laughs> you know? It's probably the part of your code base that has like 10 times as much test code as it has actually actual code because the core is just like some logic stuff, but there's so many different use cases and edge cases and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. At one point I had like a 180 line long function <laughs> because... Part of that's just because I'm in I'm in Elixir, which is like a a functional paradigm language, and in Elixir it's more com it's much more common to have like long functions because it's just in general like users of the language are not quite as obsessed about like tiny little methods as you would be maybe in something like Ruby, <laughs> where that was always the goal to have like a one liner for everything. But yeah, that 180 line function was, was getting a little out of hand. So I did a bunch of refactoring around that too. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in general, like I'm feeling like struggling to make the kind of progress that I want to make on product stuff because I'm also like spending a lot of time onboarding Still working with my support guy, um, who's doing a great job, but it's still taking quite a bit of time just to like ping pong back and forth on most support requests and stuff. That's necessary work. Yeah. But it, overall, it's going good. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, growth has been solid this month. And so I can't complain about that. Like everything just keeps, you know, keeps humming along. Things that have been around the corner for a long time <laughs> are like the round round robin functionality and then more calendar integrations. For, I think that's on your list, actually, of, of things that you want, <laughs> like a fast mail integration. Yeah, um, please. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I had a, a kind of fun question. If I can put you on the spot, if you oh, don't want to, it. we can just cut this out. <laughs> oh, sure, go for it. <laughs> but I, I, I kind of thought about because the way you framed this was, do you want to do the mastermind on air? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because Ben, Ben was out and, and Matt is out as well that we're doing the mastermind with in a more like mastermind fashion. I, I wrote down a question, <laughs> but basically, so what I was thinking is like, I'm ripping off the Savvy Cal playbook, uh, quite heavily with reform the two of us and Matt, we talk basically every day in Slack and we go back and forth on a lot of different things. I think just yesterday we had like a, a thread about something related to some of my stuff that was more than a hundred messages. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was like, when you get in late on one of those, it's like, Oh man, mm -hmm. exactly. <laughs> I'm going to catch up to this Format. and you get like a thumbs up or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so basically what I thought was like, it would, I would, it would be fun for me, but I don't know how fun it would be for you 
to basically if if we couldn't talk in slack for the next let's say three to six months and you could only give me like one or maybe three pieces of advice for what to do with reform like you could basically tell me up to three things and we can't talk for the next three to six months and uh, you have some sort of interest in uh, reform becoming a success as well like what what are the things that you would you would want me to know <laughs> is that a good or a bad question wow that's a hard question <laughs> i think um, yeah I, I said i was going to put you on the spot yeah okay three things you um, give me themes to think about or books or just mm-hmm. like tactical advice or hmm. i meant i this is not new i mention this all the time but um we're both fans of the traction book by gabriel Weinberg and justin maris and i think it's like that book is really helpful for the early stage when you're trying to figure out what marketing channels are going to scale and work well for uh for like a product and i would say like the savvy cal we're marching along like things are working but still we're still kind of working those um through those and trying to figure out what are those like really really solid flywheels going to be for us so i guess theme one would be like keep a spirit of experimentation in the first you know six to 12 months of of your business because i mean if you if you over invest in one thing you're kind of maybe that's too big of a bet you know so and and that's why i like that that's why i like that framework because it's like like devising things in kind of small tests to to test the waters on on uh, on things to get a gauge do you think marketing is coming up for is that something i should think about in the next let's say six months marketing yeah just in general yeah i think so because i think you're gonna have like dealing with the tiny sample sizes is that's that's one of the most painful parts of this phase you know like we just had a an experience with a, I will say, borderline abusive customer <laughs> in um, in support, and she just like was like, basically didn't understand anything about the product. Somehow got in, and I think had been using a competing product, but somehow made it into SavvyCal, and then like didn't understand anything, and was just annoyed from the get go, and and like we responded back with a very helpful reply, and. She like was giving us like the worst rating possible and help scout saying poor support, poor, whatever, poor, like just tear, just shredding us apart. And it's like, if that would have happened in the first 10, you know, people to touch the app, I probably would have concluded like we are way off base and we need to spend like a ton of time investing in all these things that we've so far gotten by not having, you know, like we're a little light on educational resources. We're slowly building out the knowledge base and the, all the self-serve help you know, documents, but like we've been able to not just be consumed by those tasks. We can still make progress on the product because I have enough sample size to know that like, this is, this is good enough for a lot of people. And so those types of like the danger of just dealing with really small sample sets is that little pieces of feedback like that can, you can over index on them really easily. And yeah. And I think that's what a you're, good point. Yeah, and what you want to what you want to test is like you're trying to build very much like SavvyCal a a self serve SaaS engine where ideally like 
you build up your marketing channels, people arrive at your website, and then they convert at a consistent percentage <laughs> and without much in direct involvement from you. So not, not doing a sales call or a demo or whatever. But the way, only way to like get that rolling is to start getting top of funnel traffic in the door. And you got to do marketing activities for that. It's not just going to happen. So yes, I think... Ah, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I think investing in marketing is super important. And you probably have the same bias that I do, which is like never feeling like the product is good enough to to really throw a lot of weight behind marketing. But you're going to have to like push back against that hard, you know? Yeah. And a form builder with like 10 field types is still has like a market of millions oh, of yeah. people. <laughs> Tons of people can use it already in its current form, you know? So, um, good. Yeah. Was that two? Maybe that's, we'll call that two. I don't know. Yeah. We can call it two. I think it was one, but let's call it two. <laughs> <laughs> You think they'll keep me busy for six months when I come back in Slack? <laughs> I think so. I think that's enough to chew on. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. That's a good thought experiment, though. A lot of the times when I talk to you and Matt, it's like I pick up some sort of general advice that's like general purpose startup advice from some book or something. And it's so easy for me to just be like, oh, yeah, we got to be doing that as well. Like we've got to be, you know, talking to our customers and scheduling demos and all this stuff but it feels like so many times when i when i talk to you and matt about it it's you have a different opinion than i and that i expected and it's always a little surprising to me but i think you two have a really good way to think in terms of like i guess first principles or like take a step back and like what are you actually trying to do and it's like obviously it's good to talk to your customers but you don't want to have a sales process like you don't like you actually want to see if you can figure out ways to you know uh, make people convert themselves or i remember when a fun thing when when we announced reform on twitter it was just an idea and it was just one of a few ideas that we wanted to test but then it blew up on twitter and it's like we couldn't just you know the next day announce a new thing that would just be weird <laughs> because twitter knew that we were doing this thing now and then in my mind it's like i'm really thinking about all this like lean startup and like i mvps and prototypes and stuff like that so my first idea was to be super lean and just offer people to like build forms for them the same way that we build a form for our early access page that was just a hard-coded reform basically and just try to find a handful of people and i remember you were like wait a minute like how long is it going to take for you to find those people and sell them on the idea and go back and forth on like designing a form and maybe they don't need it right now and all this stuff. And then compared to like, what if you just spend a month like, and you just worked really hard and just built like in the same amount of time, or I think it was actually three weeks. Like what if you spend three weeks and that's what we did. And like in, in a month or something like that, like, I think we had something that we could use ourselves and a week more we had something that you could use and you know the next person the week later and so that was really good advice and now it's like it's been three months since we started working we have like 26 customers or something like that so well and i think it's important to assess what your unfair advantages are 
And a founder who is maybe non-technical, doesn't have a technical co-founder or something, and is just going to like throw money at outsourced development resources or something like that. Like th- for them, maybe the, the calculus would be different on how to devise initial tests. But for you, it's like, I mean, kind of rule of thumb, like if anything can be, if you can make a micro bet, which uh, to me, like a micro bet is like investing two weeks, two or three weeks of time into something and, and get like a high quality result from that test then I think it's it's well worth it. Like it's that doesn't seem like an egregious, like way too big of a bet. Um, and for you, it was like, well, what are you actually really trying to test? Are you trying to, you know, like you don't really it's want not to like test we don't know if people want forms, right? Right. People definitely <laughs> want forms. Um, and if they're dis, if they're primarily like dissatisfied with the the product dynamics in some of the current incumbents, then what you're really trying to test is like, can you? Can you envision something that is, you know, significantly better in experience than than the existing um, product? And that that's not really testable by like hand building people's forms for them, you know. And so it's it's kind of like important to identify, like, what are you actually trying to test there? And thankfully, you're a developer and you can just you and you and Bjorn can just like hustle on it (laughs) and get get stuff produced pretty quickly. Yeah. So uh, that's what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. That's good. I'll put you in the hot seat now. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> because, uh, so, I mean, I think a lot of that, the contents of that 180 message thread are probably uh, not for public consumption. But I think it's worth touching. Because this is something that we've, we've talked a lot about on, on AOP. Um, we keep coming back to this question of, like, what type of company do you want to build? And I think that's something you're, you've been giving thought to as well. I'm curious to hear you kind of share your perspective on like, I mean, we're, we're both tiny seed funded companies, right? Um, we've both taken investments um, from angels on, on safes. <laughs> and so, but, but I would say we're still like indie funded and always wrestling with like scale of ambition and how hard to push, how, how aggressively to grow versus kind of um, optimized for lifestyle or cash flow. So, Talk me through where you're at on that. There's basically three types of money that we can use to grow reform. There's our own money. Um, so just try to bootstrap and be super lean about it. and Or like do consulting or whatever. Uh, we, can, we can hustle. Um, there is taking more funding. And there's, a, there's the kind of funding that we've taken already, which is like the tiny seed money, which which works if we become a million dollar company. So like a, let's say 10 to $20 million company, then their math works. And then there's like traditional VC money, which is not super appealing to me right now. The kind of company we want to build is probably more of a, I, <laughs> I almost said base camp. The type of company that Basecamp have described in the, in their books and maybe a wild bit or something like that. Um, what you said yesterday in that thread was like, I think what you want to do is like build cool shit with Bjorn. And I mean, it's it summarized it pretty well. I think building a reform is so much fun because it's so much fun to see what people built with our tool. And I 
that's what I want to do. And I don't want to do, it doesn't have to be a billion dollar company for me to, I, I probably wouldn't enjoy that as much. So yeah, we are ambitious. And the reason we pick reform it because it's a really big market and it's a really big challenge and it's a really big, some really big competitors. Like our competitor, main competitor is Typeform. They're like, you can say a lot of bad things about their product, but they also pioneered the form space and they have a pretty cool company. Like they put out some really cool things and they are competitors and it's kind of scary, but it's also a fun challenge, I guess. And it's like, what's different? Like what, what are our advantages being like super small and lean compared to them? And that's the fun part for me. It's so fascinating too, because I mean, you just said they pioneered the form space, which they pioneered a kind of somewhat unique take on it with the pace, with the spaced, you know, the paced out like uh, progressive responses or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but they by no means pioneered the form space, right? I mean, WooFoo no, preceded no, no, them no. And, be, and then before them yeah. there was like SurveyMonkey and like, you know, on and on and on, just long legacy of form providers. And it's, it is hilarious how like this, this space like is continually ripe for disruption, much like I think the scheduling space is like there is a long legacy of various tools that have, solved this problem maybe you could just say yeah. we're all we're survey all the, monkey we're in the business of building better mousetraps here you know that's what we're doing totally basically. totally <laughs> which is so funny how that's like a that's like a pejorative thing like like you know uh we're innovators we don't build better mousetraps and it's like well there's there's a lot of money to be made building better mousetraps <laughs> it's execution risk when i like the way i think about it because it's like you you know pretty damn well that there's a market it's like, <laughs> you know, SurveyMonkey came out in 99, Wufu came out in 2006, Typeform came out in 2012, um, and they all became huge businesses. And 20 years later, people still need forms all the time. And um, yeah, so there's no market risk. Like we know people the justin jackson talks about like there needs to be momentum and people need to be in movement like there are people there are probably a million people every day looking for a form tool yeah yeah well it's fun it's fun kind of journeying into this realm you know with you it kind of Hor horizontal a, a similar yeah similar like to, a lot of properties of our businesses are very similar so it's kind of fun to to be able to compare notes and do these masterminds and uh and just uh, strategize yeah i hope we can do just 10 percent as well as savical <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm quite bullish i think uh i think reform is going to be a great business i hope you're right yeah well uh anything else you wanted to get out before we uh call it a day i think i'm all good it was fun fun to be in the on the aop i've uh, listened since the thoughtbot days nice <laughs> well, thank you for your loyal yeah. listenership. Uh, and folks can hear <laughs> folks can you hear you do a, a follow a similar format with uh, with our mutual friend Matt Wensing on Out of Beta. You guys release mostly weekly, right? We we miss two weeks, but otherwise, yes, the streak the streak has ended, but you're still um, yeah highly consistent. So yeah, so check that yes. out, and uh, then people can also find you Peter Soom on Twitter. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It was fun. You bet. Catch you later. Bye.